Boom. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Real Drug Talk. My name is Jack Nagel, and on this show, we talk about all things alcohol and drugs, addiction, and recovery from addiction. Um, on today's show, super interesting chat, a space that I'm getting really, really interesting, uh, really interested in, sorry, or um, stories that I'm particularly getting really interested in because I think it's so different to how society perceives addiction and and how alcohol and drugs and mental health plays out um, for particular people um, and that is kind of talking to people that have experience with commercial success or a professional career that might not stereotypically fit the mold of you know what you would see in the movies and the TV as someone that struggles with addiction. So um, we've got one of those conversations today on 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 today's show, uh, and his name is Mick Taylor. It was a great chat, just hearing everything that he did in his life and how he lost it all. Um, so I hope you enjoy the show. Before we jump in, um, if you or a loved one which is struggling with addictive patterns. Um, or addiction at all, please reach out. We run um, a treatment program called Connection Based Living and we help people to get recovery without going to rehab. Um, and so if that sounds of interest to you, you can check us out on the website, which is www.connectionbasedliving.com.au. That's www.connectionbasedliving.com.au. Um, have a click around, have a look, book in a chat with us. If we can't help you, we'll. Um, point you in the right direction to to get you some help so um look hope you enjoy the show hope the week's going well um and let's jump into it peace boom welcome back everybody uh to another episode of real drug talk now this has been some time in the making and yeah i'm pumped to have this interview today because i think um like we try and get a range of pe uh, different people's stories but Personally, I've found when interviewing people and talking to people on the podcast, uh, because of the shame and stigma associated to um, addiction and mental health, it, it, it is harder to get people that have had like a, for a lack of a better way, like a commercially successful um, background or, or people that are like still operating in, in professional circles um, because they don't kind of want to expose themselves and, and, you know, have any adverse consequences with work and stuff. So I'm really pumped that we we can explore some of that stuff um, with our, with our guest today, Mick Taylor. How you going, mate? Good, mate. How are you? Thanks for having me. No problem. No problem. Yeah, I'm good. Thanks. Like, I don't know. I, I always like to double check that I'm not just like telling stories and making shit up. Like, would you agree with that? Have you, have you oh, found absolutely. like in, yeah, yeah, yeah. And how do you feel like as someone that does have that background, like coming out and, and speaking about your story? Well, mate, I, I was silent for a long time because mm. through my my story and my, my journey, the shame that I felt was so great that I I thought everyone would judge me as harshly as I judged myself. Yeah. I didn't want to, I didn't want to come out. And so it took it took a lot of work to get to a point where I could say, you know what, this happened and this is what I went through and this is how I felt purely because I wanted someone else or anybody else going through a similar position just to say, I'm not alone. Other yeah. people go through this as well. hundred percent. And it's not to, it's not to sow the seed, like, 
because it's kind of funny with mental health and addiction stuff like people can have completely different external lives um in um and not that this is all we're talking about but just an easy way to categorize it but come from different like socio-economic backgrounds and stuff um but really relate on you know like an emotional and intellectual level and the issues and problems that come with it but then as well i also find that um yeah there is that element when when someone hears the story of someone else that is like very very identical in their life circumstances it's so powerful to just help them have a shift um did you have any like what helped you to kind of get to this point where you turned it all around like i know i'm kind of starting backwards here but yeah, was did you hear someone else's story that had similar life circumstances to you, or was it uh, just naturally? For me, it was uh, my wife. Um, she basically had had enough of me sitting in the corner sucking my thumb, not <laughs> having the courage to deal with life. Yeah, you know, we, we had at the time we had three kids. We've now mm-hmm. four, but you know, th- there was a whole responsibility around providing for my family that Mm. I just, I tried to avoid everything. I didn't want to face the world. And it was just, I was in such a dark place that Mm. I didn't think there was a way out. And just, she jumped on me when I was in bed one day and I, you know, I wanted to pull the covers over my head and and not get up that day. And she's just like, for fuck's sake, like this is not as anywhere near as bad as what you're telling yourself it is there's mm. people that love you and that rely on you you need to fucking fix this you yeah. can do it it's, it's not that bad which in my own mind you know you you plan an idea in your mind and it festers and you, you think you when you when you focus on it it grows and it's you know, nine times out of ten it's much much worse than what it actually is yeah the scenario and the, and the picture you're painting in your own mind and yeah, for me, it was, you know, when my wife, like, it was just like, for fuck's sake. And, and that was like a, a light bulb moment that if I don't do something, I've lost everything but my family. Mm. If I don't fix this now or get up and take a step in the direction of, of fixing this, I'll lose my family as well. And then I have lost everything. Mm. Mm, interesting very interesting so in saying that i'm keen to jump into it then like do you want to give us your backstory i always say to people give us the three to five minute snapshot version and then we can kind of span from there but yeah yeah tell us tell us a little bit about the backstory um so i was working in a an engineering business and um, i was a national sales manager and in the time i was there we grown the business 300 odd percent in about three years wow some really good results um and it was an old company there was four directors and i went to the directors and asked for a bit of equity in the business yeah i didn't want a lot you know five ten percent whatever i'll buy in over time i just didn't want to be working for someone else Mm. and providing them with an amazing lifestyle when I wanted to, you know, give that to my family and share in that and, and be a business mm. owner as well. So I went to the business owners and, and said, I want some equity. Um, you've seen what I've been able to do with, with the team that we've built and, and grow the business. I, I want some of it. I don't want a lot, but just give me a piece of the pie. Mm. So the two older directors were all for it. They were like, yep, hundred percent. Like this is, mm. 
the business is doing well with you in it. So we want to keep that going. And the two younger guys, um, they were enjoying <laughs> nice cars. and The gold teeth. Ducati, <laughs> yeah, the gold teeth. Ducatis and, you know, all that. They said no. They obviously didn't want to share it. Uh, so on that note, it was like, well, I can't stay here. I've, yep. I've got to go. And I didn't really know what I was going to do, but I knew I'm not going to be in this business because it's not going to grow my future. Mm, mm. So I resigned. And I actually started up in competition with them. So in the same industry and, and competing against them. And I started from home. So I really... It's like a, you know, let's say the definition of an entrepreneur is someone who jumps off a cliff and builds an airplane on the way down. Yeah. I, I jumped off the cliff and <laughs> ended up building an airplane. And uh, yeah, had, had some really good success early because I built yeah. some really good relationships in the industry and a, a lot mm-hmm. of people wanted to keep working with me. So um, yeah, I, I kept working with those guys. And, you know, after 12 months, I moved the business out of home into a, an office. And it basically, it doubled in revenue. For the first year, I did a million in turnover from home. Mm-hmm. Year two, it actually quadrupled. So I went from one to four, um, you know, proper warehouse and offices, and it doubled again the following year. Wow. So I had to move again into a bigger place. Um, and then through the grapevine industry, I'd, I'd heard the other guys had declined a bit and things were a bit harder. So I approached the owners of that business um, to buy it. So year three, I bought that business, which doubled my business again. Yep. Um, And then basically did some work for some people that ended up going into liquidation. We lost a couple of million bucks in a project and we had to really batten down the hatches and, and work really hard so the business didn't fail through that that other business going into liquidation. Yeah. Uh, and we ended up getting a finance facility that didn't serve us well. And that was what sent us sent us over the edge and we ended up, you know, going to receivership and liquidation and then we lost everything. So um and through everything it was everything. Mm. So house, cars. The only thing we had was each other and the clothes on our backs. Wow. So, and how old are you at this point? I'm 44 now. Yeah. Yeah. Now 44. Back then I was 36, 37. Yeah. And you had kids and I had three kids. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So I imagine that just sounds fucking stressful. <laughs> oh, mate, it was towards the end when we still had the business. Um, so after the company that we'd worked for and supplied all this equipment to went mm. broke, I would wake up at three o'clock in the morning to see who'd paid us. Yeah. We could make payroll that week. Mm. Um, you know, we had at, at our biggest point, we had 63 people on payroll, mm-hmm. um, which, and they're all professional people. So our payroll was around about 120 grand a week. Mm. So we had a couple of, um, premises we had leases on we had 30 something cars so we, we were very top heavy with expenses mm. so we needed good cash flow to keep that going and 
you know, it's all beer and skittles when everyone's paying on time. Yeah. But when, when someone doesn't pay, then you know, where are we getting that money from to make up the shortfall? Mm. So the, the rapid growth in business, I was out of my depth. I was so far out of my depth and learning every day on how do I run a business this size? What do I need to do? So a lot of the times we'd be putting people in, in roles and they'd be the wrong people. But mm. we just needed a bum in a seat. Mm. Bum in the seat, they'd make mistakes. You know, and it, it all comes back to responsibility on me for not putting the right people in those roles. So mm. putting someone in a role and expecting them to perform at the level they should, that comes back to me employing the wrong people. Yeah. Not not saying we employed idiots or anything like that. It, it was I just didn't have the time or the resources to put the effort that was required into getting the right people in those jobs early on we did but as we were growing and growing so like we were doubling every year in size yeah it was just we just need more people more people more people so and that that along with wrong finance structure just and that's one of the things they say about business isn't it that like all i've heard friends that have done you know things with businesses and stuff is that they say you, you know like of course on a level you always want to grow but sometimes you can grow too fast and you know the you kind of bust at the seams because you can't keep up with yourself in a way <laughs> correct and you know most businesses go broke not from no work mm. from too much work and not being able to deliver it effectively yeah. or you know the quality drops or you know you get delays because you, you just can't handle the workload mm. you know, there'd be days i remember when we just after we moved into the the bigger premises we got a really good job that it set us up financially for mm. a really good growth. And it was four days. I didn't go home. I stayed at work night and day. And <laughs> just, like insane. You know, I, I'd have a, I'd have a, an hour power nap in my office on the floor. And then I'd be back out in the, in the workshop because we had such a lot of work to get out the door that I didn't, I didn't want to push my staff to do the same hours I was doing. Well, it's illegal. But, you know, <laughs> but wanted to make sure that they were all safe and they were doing productive shifts. Where, but I didn't hold myself to the same standard. I was like, mm. well, you, I didn't respect myself enough. Mm. You need a, a rest. You, you've got a family to see. You, you know, I just like just get it done. Mm. Get it done. Mm. And you know, shortly after that that stint, I had a stint in hospital because my heart stopped. Wow. Wow. So, and that was through, um, I lived on no dose Corona and Red Bull for two weeks. (laughs) I just, yeah. And for people listening, Corona is the beer, not the, not not the the virus. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Talk about backflips for a company, you know, people not drinking their beer because uh, anyway, that's another story. Um, so, so, you know, the thing I find interesting about that, and again, the reason why I'm so keen to talk to you because your story in one way or another is, is something that I hear often kind of on a one-to-one level um, from, from people that are in that space, whether it's business or high kind of profile professional jobs or whatever it is. Um, and they say exactly the same things. And, and is it a bit of like, in terms of like the mental health stuff and the addiction stuff, is it kind of like, 
you, you're robbing Peter to pay Paul because you're kind of going so hard and focused on that area. Like you naturally start to give way in others. Is that sort of what happened to you? hundred percent, hundred percent. The first thing is I, I had a, a skewed perspective that if I had a big successful business, mm. my friends would like me more. My wife would love me more. My kids would think I'm awesome. My parents would be proud of me. So what do I need to have that? I need to work my ass off and I need to make lots of money. Well, why do I need to make lots of money? Because I, you know, I'm looking back at it now, I was chasing validation in the wrong areas. You know, mm, I, interesting. I didn't self-validate. So I thought if I gave my wife a nice big house and a Range Rover and the kids went to a private school that people look at me and go, he's got his shit together. He's doing mm. really well and winning at life. When mm. on the inside, I'm you know, like a duck swimming across a pond. It looks calm on the outside. On the inside, you're going like all hell to, to keep everything glued together, like the house of cards. Mm. Mm. I've got to get up early. I've got to, you know, I've got to try and get a training session in. I've got all these people to keep busy. Um, we've got all these clients to keep happy. I need to grow my business. You know, and it just, it's a, a big, you're not creating a monster that has no reverse gear. You can't get out. It just consumes you. So mm. what do you, you, at the start, you go to work and you loved what you do. You couldn't wait to get out of bed. You know, you're building this business. You're making a difference. People are validating you because, you know, you're improving their lives, but then you get too big. Mm. And these people that were validating you once upon a time, and they're yelling at you because you're not home. You're not helping with the kids. <laughs> you know, your clients are pissed off because their their job's late um, or there's something wrong with it. So you're in damage control in every area of your life. Mm. And it's like, fuck, I'm just trying to make everyone's life better. And mm. this is shit. How do, I, how do I fix this? Well, I can't because this business now eats cash. So I'm not making much money because I've got this beast that, needs to be fed mm. so then i come last again and again and again and again and you just beat yourself down and then it all falls over and mm. it's like the knockout punch but you've been in a ring with mike tyson for two years mm. you've had this shit kicked out of you for all these times so you've just got nothing left there's no fight left in you it's just yeah <laughs> it's really interesting and i like yeah, obviously yours is like, like I'm finding as I'm chatting to people, like everything's a spectrum and obviously that seeking outside valid validation and the size of like everything that you were operating was just sounds massive, right? But I think it's such a, a, like, it's so brave for you to come out and say, because I think that actually happens for so many people in terms of, you know, defining their, um, yeah, but trying to trying to feel okay by you know using something outside of themselves. Um, I think that happens on different levels with like so many things for people, and and you know is kind of the root of a lot of yeah mental health and, and addiction problems with people is that there's no internal work going on. It's all just kind of external, whether it's the car, the business, the you know the marriage, whatever it is, they're trying to soothe themselves using external external objects you know <laughs> yeah and i think well, what i've learned in my 
journey back, I'll, I'll say, is probably the most important thing that I learned was why do I do the things I do? Mm. And once you learn that, you can look back on almost everything that you've done in your life, even as a kid. And I, I, this is why I do things. So now you can make sense of decisions that you made that weren't necessarily great. But, you know, if I do this, then this group of guys will think I'm pretty cool. You know, so it's, it's like a connection, seeking connection, validation. And if you get some wins, you think, well, that's what I need to do. I need to have mm. a lot of money. I need to, people will think I'm, I'm cool if I've got a good business or if I've got money to spend and we can go out and we can, you know, have a good night and it's just throw the cash around. So that's, excuse me, that, that's like a, you use that as a crutch to go, well, the more I have of this, the more people are going to like me, the more people are going to mm. validate me. Mm. So interesting. Um, and your, your story actually reminds me a lot. We had um, Jeff Jowett on the podcast a little while ago. I don't know if you know, know of him or seen his stuff. And yeah, yeah he's kind of, he, he was kind of like almost in some respects like the Australian version of the Wolf of Wall Street or something. But it's just fascinating to listen to him talk about like having, you know, the pinnacle of what most of society would consider success and just kind of what it did and not saying that that does that to everybody that achieves that, but just him explaining what it did to him and, and how it just turned him inside out. But the level of like awareness and understanding like you have um, coming out the other side and making, making the journey back. Um, it's, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable to hear. Yeah. It's crazy. So can I ask like, what is your story with alcohol and drugs? Like how did that all play out? Um, you know, as all this was going on? Um, I, I would have, I was never really into drugs. So, but alcohol wise, I would use that as a crutch quite mm. often. And I'd, I'd get, I had a group of, of mates that um, were in similar, like they all owned businesses and all sort of in a high pressure environment, sort of Monday to Friday and, and, and trying to provide for other people. And we'd have, have a beer or two or mm. 20 or 30 and you, you know <laughs> overdo it yeah and that happened more often than it should have mm. but it was like well i'm not i'm working so much i'm under so much pressure i'm not releasing that pressure in a healthy way through training or sport or not blowing off the steam so you've mm. built up this big head of pressure and you haven't released it in a healthy way mm. so now when i have a couple of beers that might turn into a bender that you you're apologizing for things you've done mm. or, or said or you know you've made a dick of yourself or you know you, you just you lose control yeah yeah 100 you know, so that, and- that's sort of as much as i've experienced with that but you know, not on the, the level of probably a lot of guys you've had on your show, but fortunate enough to be able to not control it, but rein it in and, and understand, well, I shouldn't have done that. So, you know, it wasn't a weekly or a, a monthly event. It was, mm. they happened more than they should have, but there they weren't a lot of them. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So, so interesting. But I think that's the, that's the thing. That's the paradigm that we're trying to shift with this um show and and these conversations is that 
you know, classically people think about addiction or problems with mental health or substances or whatever it is, is like something that is like a daily thing or a weekly thing. And, you know, it's, you know, you're sleeping on the park bench, but it's, it's not like, it's not actually that. Like I have so many guys that come into our office that just feel completely fucked. They want some shifts to happen. They might have blow ups once a month in their life. Um, but you know, they actually still identify with the whole like kind of addictive process and the whole like mental health process because that's actually what's happening in their life. And and it's almost like society needs to kind of have a bit of a paradigm shift with it all because there's so many people that, you know, we could help before they bottom completely out or, you know, um, interrupt that trajectory that they're on, you know? Um, yeah. is, that, is that how you felt when you started to change it up? 100%. And the biggest thing for me was having an awareness of, you know, when day to day, you're under so much pressure to be a dad, a husband, a boss, a friend, you know, a coach, or whatever you're doing in, in, your, in your life, that mm. it doesn't go away. Mm. So when you have a drink or have a bender, you feel good. And none of that shit matters. Mm. So it, it's like a, an escape. Mm. So having an awareness of, okay, I, I can get that escape and that peace through meditation or training or yoga or, you know, get on your motorbike or get on your push bike and go for a ride and, and blow yourself physically and get in that flow state and understanding, having an awareness around that, that really helped me. Okay, this is, I, I have a very addictive personality as well. So when I start something, it's 150% until I'm mm. the best at it. <laughs> yeah. Like it's, it's, I'm relentless in that and obsessive in that pursuit of whatever it is I'm doing. Mm. You know, I, I did, I raced dirt bikes when I was a teenager. I, before that, sort of, I was a national level swimmer. Um, and then in my early 20s, I started doing triathlons. You know, within 18 months of starting triathlons, I was racing overseas in world championships. Mm. You know, as, as a, so it's obsessive with how I did things, but I didn't understand how I actually worked mm. and how my mind worked and you know, needing to be in that, the flow states mm. to get your rest and your, your recuperation and not having 400 beers to get that same mental break. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. So I think, you know, what you're talking about is just experiences that happen to so many people. And again, I'm, I'm just wrapped that, you know, you've, you've got the courage and you're stepping into this space to come out and talk about it. Cause I think it's going to help a lot of people, you know, because it's something that I, I work with, you know, people like yourself that are in those situations, but that, wasn't my story. You know, my story was I was younger and all that sort of stuff. So it's just, it's, it's very cool to like hear you talk about it. Can I ask like, what was your lowest point? And like, can you take us back to that and maybe, you know, just explain like what was going on? What was it like when you sort of lost everything and you had, you know, you're just looking at your family and you only had the clothes on your back and each other and all that stuff. The hardest, hardest thing was 
I remember sitting at my desk thinking, I have to go home and tell my wife that I've just lost her dream house. Mm. How do I tell her that? Yeah. And I just did not know how. Yeah. I didn't. My, you know, my kids loved, loved that. The property we had, it had an amazing backyard. There was a water slide into the pool. Like it was. <laughs> Disneyland. <laughs> oh, mate. I, the, the guys that we bought the house off spent $800,000 on the backyard. <laughs> they had too much money. So they just yeah. got a 35 meter water slide into this pool. And it looked like we we're in Bali, like that big Bali hut kitchen. There was a playground, but there was a, like a commercial playground for the kids well. in the backyard. <laughs> uh, it was an epic property and all f we have people there every weekend like all f like f entertaining all the time yeah so it was like that was our life and now yeah. it's gone how do i tell her that the house is going to be auctioned we, we've mm. lost it. the only thing we got to keep was the car that we didn't own mm. and now i've got to find 1600 bucks a month to pay for this fucking heap of shit Range Rover. <laughs> Look, I don't actually want anymore because I can't afford it. I've got, I've got and it's worth less food. than half of what I bought it for. <laughs> it's less than that. Yeah. You know, but that at, at the time was if I buy a Range Rover, she'll love me more. I'm providing a better lifestyle for her, you know, but, but that's not mm. the case. Mm. Could have been happy with a Gemini. Yeah. It's, but this is my skewed perception on reality that mm. I need to be buying my validation. Mm. It's not the case at all. Um, so yeah, probably the hardest point was feeling a complete failure that I've got to go home and, and tell her that we have to move out of this house. Um, mm. Coupled with, you know, we, we had friends that we did business with that lost money in mm. the liquidation of the business so on top of that you know how now my situation has impacted my friends mm. in a negative way because these liquidators aren't paying my friends mm. they're going to fill their own pockets um so there was that and, and i got to a point where i actually thought the world would be a better place if i wasn't here Mm. Because I'd, I'd caused so much humiliation and shame and embarrassment to my parents, and you know, you know, he, he was flying there. Look at him; he's fucked. Mm. His business has gone. You know, if I felt like I'd done something really, really bad, mm. um, so dealing with that, and then you know, the suicidal thoughts come. Or maybe I should. You'd be driving somewhere and you'd be on the freeway and you'd see a truck coming the other way and it, like the thought would enter your mind. Mm. Maybe I could just veer into the other side of the road and all the pain will stop. Mm. Interesting. So that that low point of a wandering mind to how do I get out of this situation, mm. which I never really had much tolerance for for suicide because I didn't mm. understand it. Mm. And, and going through that and coming out the other side of it, understanding that people who take their own lives 
don't want to die. They just want the pain to stop. Yeah. My perception of it anyway. So um, having lost some friends to it and, and, and understanding um, that that's, it's not, I don't want to not be here. I don't want to be here in this position. So how do I change my position? How do I fix that? How do I make that better? So then I can contribute to my family, to society in a positive way. Yeah. Not feel like I've just let everyone down and, and be full of shame. Mm. It's very powerful when you explain it like that and just how it plays out. Um, again, I know I keep saying it, but you know, you even hear stories like that, how you explained it, but I, I just feel like you don't hear too many. Yeah. Like business people that, cause it happens a lot like to people where they lose um, everything or a lot. And, you know, this is how mental health plays out for a lot of people. And you know what the funny thing is, is did you know, like, so at that age, you, did you say you were 37? Yeah, I was about 37. Yeah. Yeah. So with, those events that you just exp explained and that, you know, losing everything and, and um, then having the suicide thoughts pop into your head. And I imagine that before that you probably were feeling depressed and low during those times, but you'd never had any history of suicide or anything like that. You, that actually brings you into the highest um, risk category uh, like in the world of people to commit suicide is males between the age, I think it's like 35 to kind of 50, no prior history to suicide. Um, yeah, it's just, there's big risk factors because life events happen and there's something like within the male kind of psychology at that age. And, you know, it's just, yeah. it's incredible. It's incredible. So how did you pull yourself out of that mind frame? Cause it's pretty, that's the thing that people don't understand. Like, when you're in that mind frame, cause I've been there as well. It's like, yeah, you, it's not necessarily like you just, you, it's kind of like having the horse blinkers on you're just in a dark place and you sort of can't see a way out, you know? Um, yeah. So how did you snap out of it? Well, for me, it was, I'll say, they may not be the best words for it. I'll say a moment of weakness in my own thoughts where I've always tried to be a good example to my kids mm. about being a good human. Mm. Um, and I didn't want, one, I didn't want my kids to think that I just bailed on them because it was too hard. Yeah. And two, I didn't want them to have that as an example of how you deal with hard times. Yeah. You know, it, yeah, it's it's shit. I, I'm very lucky that I've got an amazing wife who was 100% truthful with me when she absolutely needed to be. When, you know, she could have just given me a hug and said, it's okay, you know, mm. everything will be okay. But you know what? It fucking won't be okay. Get your yeah. shit together. There's <laughs> harsh words but they come from an absolute place of love. Mm. But this person that you are becoming is not the man that I married. It's not mm. the man that I want to grow old with. And it's not the man that I want to be the father of my kids. Mm. So fucking step up and be the man that you can be, the man that you were, and build on that. Don't just fall away and 
throw it all in the air because one bad thing happened. You know, one of my good mates is he puts everything back into sporting analogies. And he's like, you know what? It's like a game of footy. You just lost that quarter. Yeah. You don't fucking give up because you lost the first quarter. Mm. Regroup. Work on the things you need to work on. Get back out on the ground. Yeah. You know, that, that's and it, it makes sense. Yeah, it's it's just one incident. It, it doesn't define you. And that, I think that was the biggest problem that I let that failure define me. So mm. I attached my self-worth mm. to the failure of that business when I made some decisions that caused that business to fail, mm. but that is not me. Mm. So Yeah, you're not the business. You're not the thing. You, you're you're Mick. You're not the business. <laughs> correct. Yeah. 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 You know, it, and having that that thought that I need to be this example of just show some tenacity and get up. You know, mm. the bell's not the bell's not gone. Get up. You're on the canvas. Get up. Keep swinging. Mm. So to to have that probably drive from a family to to show them. Yeah, you get knocked down, but when you get knocked down, get up, regroup, learn what you need to learn, ditch what you need to ditch, and go again. Mm. And be be keep getting better. Don't you know, everyone makes mistakes, but when you repeat those mistakes, they become choices. So don't turn a mistake into a choice. I love that. When you repeat the mistake, they become choices. It's a good way to look at it. Yeah. So I want to know, like, just swinging back a little bit, because I love how you've talked about, yeah, that you were, that was probably the initial mistake that you were making was, was you were defining yourself by your business and your money and, and, and trying to get yourself worth that way. And you said the hardest point was when you had to go home and, and, and tell your wife, you know, that you'd lost the dream home and all that stuff. How did she actually react? And, and, and was it something different to what you had in your mind? And and what have you learned out of that whole experience about, yeah, like you and how to get self-worth and obtain it and maintain it and all those sorts of things? So look, she, she's a trooper and she she's not motivated by material things mm. whatsoever. What she wants is a secure place for her family to live, mm. whether that's, a one-bedroom apartment, what, whatever, somewhere that we can be warm and dry and eat and our families together. Whether it's yeah, a small place or a mansion is irrelevant. So mm. she was really good in, okay, this is a situation. Like there, there were tears because, you know, of course, <laughs> we worked so hard to get to where we were, but it's not like, okay, well now this is all gone. Mm. I'm gone. She that wasn't her. So I was really fortunate that she stuck around. And that was mm. what was important to me at the time was okay, well, all this stuff is going to go. What's important is that we stay together as a family and and fight this fight together. Mm. And then in and out of my moments of weakness, she would support me through, you know, when you need to lift up, she'll lift me up. When I need a slap, she'll give me a slap. Mm. Um, so having that and moving forward with that probably made it a lot easier because I know a lot of people go through business failure and it, and, and I saw this firsthand and, and experienced it be, because 
if she wasn't the woman that she is, she would have left because I put her through fucking absolute hell. Mm. You know, I, I sat back once I got back in control and, and working on myself and got some awareness. And well, I said to her, well, we went through some relationship counseling and, and coaching, and that really cemented us to get and got us back to a really good position where we communicated well with each other. We dealt with all the water that was under the bridge through the fallout of you know, losing the business and losing things and we dealt with resentment here and there. But having... That's a big one, isn't it? Like people don't realise... It's funny when people come through our treatment program and stuff, it's one of the first things that we help them with is like resentment um, to clear because it just... Sorry, it just has such a, a big impact on relationships and communication and ongoing problems. Absolutely. Yeah. And it, it comes back to, you know if I use myself as an example, having a skewed reality or perception on reality that I'm giving you all this stuff. You've got an amazing life. You should be fucking grateful. <laughs> yeah. What? But they don't want it. <laughs> That's right. so they're not going to give you the reaction you want. So then, you know, resentment from, from me and then there's resentment from her that, you know, I just want you to be home. You don't help me with the kids. You don't, like, I'm, I'm working. I'm trying to do this and that and run the kids and but you're always at work. So there's resentment there. And, you know, it, that just builds up and up and up. Um, but we were fortunate that we, we got through that and it brought us closer together, mm. um, which I think part of the reason for me wanting to start Invisible Wingman was catching that early. You know, there's a lot of people who can help you rebuild and, and restructure your business and, and keep going. But if you don't fix the underlying problem of yourself and how you, why you do things and are you seeking validation by building that business and you know, letting your ego drive you or are your intentions and is your mission genuine mm. in that, that you're actually re-contributing and, and, and living your purpose. If you don't address that, the business will end up in the same place that it was before. So mm putting a focus on the business owner and, and their mental state and helping them get into a position that they're aware of their thoughts and why they do things. And, and when they have thoughts that could lead them to make a bad decision, having an awareness of, um, I won't react to that. I'll respond and, and putting space between um, a thought and an action. Mm words to help them rebuild with purpose i think is, is what's important to me because I, I don't necessarily think that people need to go to the depth of i'm going to drive into the truck that's coming the other way or you know this is the only way out could not agree more mm. and i think that's for me, again, it's something, and again, why I love having this conversation with you and, and hearing your stories, that's something that I want to help to change in the addiction space and the mental health space. And, you know, as you said, like in the more even practical spaces, if it's like helping someone recover their business and, and whatever it is, like you, a lot of our services are built for when you're like completely fucked yeah. <laughs> and there's, and there's not much to help you kind of shift the paradigm and catch it early so that you don't end up in that space, you know, where you have lost everything. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I couldn't agree more. Like there's, I think a lot of it stems from our education system with our kids too. There's so much pressure on kids to be something mm. external to themselves, whether it be, you know, an athlete or a doctor or an engineer or like you define yourself by what you do, not yeah. who you are. And mm. I, the kids are taught that in school, that what are you going to be when, when you grow up? Mm. I want to be happy. Mm. You know, I want to do something I'm passionate about that, that can actually add value to the world. Mm. I, I may be an engineer or a doctor or, or whatever, but that's how I make money and support my, my life. It's not who I am. Yeah. And I think that's so interesting. I, I know this is like a stupid um, thing to use, but I've actually become aware of that lately. And I started looking at it on people's like social media, but have you at all been on like that new app clubhouse, like where people. Oh, yeah. I've heard about it, but I haven't. haven't been. On yeah. It. Yeah. It's kind of like a, I don't know, a quick, easy way to explain it is it's almost like a active podcast you know like people it's a voice only people are talking but anyway when and you can only see an image of like their head and and when they're talking and yeah there's no like pictures like instagram or anything it's it's different but you can click on them and it comes up with their profile and i really noticed like as i was in there everyone was just defining themselves by like there was nothing about the person it was just like i am a doctor <laughs> or i am a business owner or like and i was just like wow you know like i know that's kind of what you do on those bio things but just in every aspect of life you're so right like everybody just says i am this you go to a party or whatever and you know you know what do you do like there's no talk about <laughs> it's just <laughs> what do you do what do you do in your life oh yeah. i'm a doctor yeah it's interesting how many people ask you are you happy yeah. <laughs> yeah. What do you do? Like that's you're a hundred percent right, and I think that stems from our education system with our our kids. And and I don't know a lot about addiction with substances, and you know that that's more your wheelhouse. But I can see the similarities of seeking connection. You know, I did it with business. I I, I sought connection through business and, and people perceiving that I was successful mm. you know, what's what's successful I've got friends that are amazing at business mm. but not so good at relationships mm. you know I've got friends that are amazing at relationships but they're too scared to to take a, a leap of faith to do something that will actually fill their cup mm. you know so having that It's so disjointed, I think. Hundred percent. But it's it's what we're conditioned as as kids to. Well, if you pick this, you know, as a fifteen or sixteen year old, I want to do this course in university, and that's what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. Mm. Get that wrong. Well, then, how many how many of those kids that turn into adults that are in professions they don't like? How many of them have the awareness to to pivot and go? Well, I'm going to try this or. You know, by the time they get into their mid twenties, they've got a mortgage, or they might have a kids, or they're they're so anchored with mm. responsibility that they don't necessarily have the courage to go. Well, this is not what I want to do. I need to then go back to the start on shit money and provide for my family while I pursue something that I'm passionate about. Mm. So you know the the lack of connection in in that with yourself. 
then leads into you know seeking connections in unhealthy ways externally hundred percent so um tell us a little bit about the invisible wingman and obviously it's it's off the back of everything that you've just been saying with your personal experience and and your story of yeah coming through that that experience and how you fought off mental health and all that sort of stuff but yeah like what what are you seeking to do with this with with the invisible wingman and the podcast and everything that you're doing so invisible wingman i that's been born out of my own adversity Mm. the objective of that the purpose of that is to help business owners that, you know, on the brink of financial collapse to, to rebuild themselves mm. and their businesses so they can actually enjoy a better quality of life. And when you're in that situation where it's hard and you're on a downward slope, you don't actually have the awareness to have some lateral thinking and get someone else to who can see things that you don't see because you're, you're under so much pressure. Mm and introduce different systems or different people into your business to not let it hit the ground, mm. um, but also not let you hit the ground. Yeah. So someone that, to help you with a focus on your mental health, making sure your family's okay, making sure that you're being the best version of yourself that you can be. So, you know, my family suffered through my struggle. Mm. And like I said before, I'm, I'm very fortunate that, we made it through together a lot don't but i think through my journey so many relationships could be saved Mm. i had a really good coach and still have a really good coach um if i can give him a plug it's it's michael laurier from forging excalibur and he Mm -hmm. helped me position myself with the way I, i thought about things so that I was always working on being the best version of myself, mm. which means I come first. My relationship and my marriage come second. My kids come third. Because once you have everything in those orders, you fill your cup together, you and your wife or husband or whatever, fill each other's cup and then you can be the best parents you can be and you can be the best business owners or whatever you do in your life. Mm. You're more effective because the system that you guys have got works and mm. it's a more supportive environment. So you're not, you don't have those moments of resentment because you're doing things that you think they want. Mm. And in actual fact, that it's not what they want. Yeah. So yeah, Invisible Wingman to bring all that together to help people just enjoy their life. And, you know, we start businesses so we can have a better quality of life. <laughs> And we can have more freedom and more time, but 90% of the time, the people who start businesses end up becoming slaves to them. <laughs> they have no time. They usually pay themselves last. So they have little money, which makes home hard because the kids need clothes, they need food, they need stuff for school. You know, all this stuff just impacts and as a, a male father, husband, business owner, all the pressure of that comes back onto us and we don't, most of the time, we don't ask for help. We just take it on, shut our mouths and just fucking work harder. 
mm. and we sacrifice ourselves and we get to a point where we just break down. We can't do it anymore and everything falls apart. Mm. And it doesn't need to be that hard. So, yeah, that's basically Invisible Wingman is that we put together a podcast to give it some awareness and get it out there into the community that this actually exists. And mm. for the podcast, it's, it's not going to be just business owners that have come through adversity and, and rebuilt themselves and their lives. It's going to be, you know, athletes and people who have just faced some adversity in some way and mm. taken a positive out of that and actually improved their lives. We want to share that, the story so that everyone can, who's going through something difficult can have a reference point and say, I'm not alone. Mm. There is other people like me mm. on this isolated, shameful, you know, poor excuse for a human because I made a bad decision or I went through something hard. There's other people and a lot of people. 100%. And I was actually surprised how many, when I started talking about this and sharing my story, so many people that are now successful in business I said, oh, yeah, that happened to me 20 years ago. Well, <laughs> yeah, but more, I got a divorce or whatever. More than half the people that have come back to me with, with some feedback about how good it is have said, yeah, I went through that or my brother did that. I, I know. It's like, how come no one speaks up? 100%. I, I kind of got goosebumps then. Um because it's so interesting that you say that, you know, um, and I find exactly the same thing when I, you know, talk about my story, if I go and do an event or whatever it is, or this podcast, it's just like, you know, someone will like bail you up in the corner and they'll be like, Oh yeah, me too, man. (laughs) And like, it's just like unbelievable how many people go through, like, that's what I've definitely learned. Everybody goes through some fucking shit. And it's just stupid that we have stigma around it because yeah, if, if more people were talking about it, there would probably be a lot more people that would prevent crap stuff happening in their life, you know? Yeah. And, and yeah, they might not end up at, at breaking point or whatever. Um, yeah. Couldn't agree more. It's yeah. It, it's frightening the amount of people that go through these things that think that they are all alone. Hmm. Hmm. Well, it's, um, it's so cool to like hear your story and see what you're doing. Um, because yeah, it's, it's that funny thing, even though it was like, yeah, the shittest time, you know, in your life, probably, um, or one of, you know, it it kind of fuels this whole new journey of, of purpose and, you know, um, and, and I personally think it's, you're going to help a whole lot of people because, um, as I said, off the top of the top of the interview like it's just a space where the stigma is um incredibly heavy you know the two things that we don't like to talk about you know like when we're having like problems with mental health and or drugs and alcohol whatever it is and money you know what i mean people never talk about what's going wrong with money (laughs) but how many times oh no it's, it's happened for me on more more times than i can count on all the fingers i've got how many times you're looking for two bucks to put fuel in your car to get to work or to go and buy <laughs> a can of tuna or, or some noodles to, to have something to eat because I've spent the money 
to feed my kids, mm. you know, or I've got to get to this, this, especially after, you know, restarting, you go from being almost numb to spending stupid money on dumb shit that you don't need. <laughs> I remember when, when this all went south, I sat down on a couch that I'd spent $24,000 on. <laughs> and my first thought was, what the fuck did I spend 20 grand on a fucking couch for? Yeah. You did. But you think it's never going to end. You think, oh, how good's this? Hollywood, just to get the best shit. I don't need that. Right. But then, you know, on the way back, you know, I need some money to put fuel in the car so I can get to this site to do a quote so I can earn some money. And mm. you, the perspective, you look back and go, you're an idiot. Yeah. What do you do that for? Do you think someone's going to think you're cool because you've got a $20,000 couch? You dickhead. And the ironic thing is, is that when you're back, like most people actually think you're a wanker. No offense. Most <laughs> people actually probably think you're a wanker for buying $24,000 couch, you know, but I, I get it because I, <laughs> I have that same. I have that same. I think I'm a wanker for buying a $20,000 couch. <laughs> Uh, it's such a funny thing and and yeah it's and that's why it's so cool that yeah you're doing what you're doing because um really like when you when you when you have moments like that I definitely had my own moment like that coming through recovery and stuff is that you know when it all comes down to it and you really assess what's important in life it there's there's not a lot of things you know it's it's pretty much your own health and you know, if you got them, like your family um, and the people you love and that's it, you know, it's just like, <laughs> it's just crazy. As long as you got enough food to not be hungry and all that, like it's all good. And people ch- chuff at that. But when, when you really fuck, fuck things up, you realize that that's all there really is, you know? <laughs> and, and, and I, a good friend of mine, his wife says all the time, when I've got a full cupboard, and full fridge of food and we've all got clothes that fit and we're warm and we're dry. I feel rich. Mm. Yep. And these guys do well for themselves, but she's got a very good perspective and she's very grounded. So, you know, coming through adversity and, and, and sitting in the kitchen and going, we've got a week's worth of food in the cupboard. The kids wearing clothes that fit them mm. dry. How good is life? Mm. You know, because you look back and go, mate, a hundred bucks is a lot of money when you got none. Hundred percent, hundred percent, mate. Where can people find you if they're uh, interested in in what you're doing with the Invisible Wingman? They want to chat more. It's opened a couple of doors in their mind. You know, um, where where can they find you? So we've got socials, uh, Facebook, Instagram, as uh, a website under construction at the moment, uh, email info at invisiblewingman.com. Yep. I'll drop it in the show notes for everyone as well. Excellent. Um, awesome. Yeah. And podcast on, on all platforms. So Invisible awesome. Wingman. Awesome. Hey, thanks for coming on and, and yeah, thanks for putting yourself out there and, you know, um, yeah, appreciate it and hope it helps a lot of people. Pleasure, mate. Thanks for having me. No worries. No worries. We'll talk to you next time. Cheers. Peace, everybody. All right. That was another episode of Real Drug Talk, everybody. Hope you enjoyed it and were able to pull 
a few gold nuggets out of Mick's story. Um, again, we're, uh, we're putting stuff out through the podcast on Sundays and Wednesdays. So stay tuned for that. And if anybody listening out there needs some help and support, just check out www.connectionbasedliving.com.au and we can see how we help you. Until next time, peace.